If you have your Bibles, let's go back to the book of Psalms 119. I I don't want to exhaust. I, there's no way I could exhaust, and I I don't want to annoy you. <laughs> Maybe I should put it that way. We're just going back to the same thing, but I am convinced that the reason sometimes the word doesn't get planted deep enough in us is that we don't have it uh, spoken to us or preached to us consistently the same thing over and over again. We learn by that means, and it never hurts for us. We try not to, but it doesn't hurt for us to go back to the same passage, and let's read it again, and let's kind of dig through it and see if there's something God could say to us, and I, I do. I just want to highlight a few things tonight out of the 119th Psalm. Now, I'm not going to read the entirety, but if you'll permit me, I'm going to begin with verse 1. I'm going to read and skip around a little bit. I'll tell you what verse I'm going to so you can stay up with me. But Psalms 119, verse number 1 and 2. He said, Blessed are the undefiled in the way. The word undefiled in the Hebrew indicates no competing rivalry. There's no distractions. You're focused on one thing. Blessed is the man who's focused on that way, who walks in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimony or obey his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Verse number 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereunto according to thy word. Verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Verse number 25. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Or I am biting the dust. (laughs) One translation. Quicken thou me according to thy word. The word quicken, the Hebrew means to revive or to resuscitate. Verse number 49. Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. Again, that word is used. Skipping down to verse number 162. Verse 162, the psalmist said, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Verse 165, he said, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them, or nothing shall trip them up, or cause them to fall. Verse number 175, he said, Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgments help me. Amen. So it's such a powerful chapter. I ask you if you would to read through it. I hope you did that. I have read through it several times today from several different translations. And my mind 
is is full of. Uh, I hope I can sort through it all. Everybody said Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. <clears throat> there is no doubt in my mind in reading this psalm that the intent of the psalmist was to set one thing before our minds, and that was the excellency of the law of God's word. And he did a masterful job. And he shows us not only the power of the word, but the happy effects that that word can have in our life when we obey it. Everybody say obey it. That doesn't mean to read it. It's one thing to read it. It's one thing to have somebody read it to you. One thing for you to know it. It's another thing for you to obey it. And my blessings do not flow until I obey it. It's amazing how much people know of Scripture that they do not live. I used to tell this, my brother's not here tonight, but my brother Charles one time in his life was very backslidden, believe it or not. And he was a long way away from God. And yet he he could debate people about the oneness of the Godhead at the drop of a hat. He might be cursing every other word past that, but you talk, you start talking about three gods or three persons in the Godhead and man, something. And, and the irony of it was that he had all of that in his mind and in his heart, but it wasn't in his will. He was not obeying it. And so the benefits that come from the word don't come from just reading it. I think that's. A a fallacy that all of us sometimes fall to is that if we just read it, it's going to transform us. It transforms us when we 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 not only read it but we obey it. We do it, and sometimes obedience is more difficult than anything else that I know of. The Scripture says that he obedience is better than sacrifice. Now that's always indicated to me. That some people will go to the nth degree as long as they don't have to obey. They'll sacrifice. They'll make sacrifices. They'll take sacrifices. They'll, they'll do sacrifices, but they don't want to break the will down and submit themselves to the word. But that is when the word is truly activated in my life. When I obey it. Say that one more time. Obey. Would you do that? Obey the word of the Lord. It seems to me that the author was intent on doing what he could without repeating himself of exhausting this subject uh, of the word of God and all that it was and represented. And it is a unique psalm, and I mentioned this to you last week. It is called an acrostic psalm, and it's simply a means of uh, of writing out a psalm so that it could be easily memorized. And it is broken down into 22 sections, eight verses per section. Each section has to do with one letter of the Hebrew alphabet, of which there were 22. The interesting thing is that each 
verse begins with that letter of the alphabet. So you have to understand how meticulous the writer, whoever he was, was in putting all of this together so that he could help men and women like you and I understand the power of the Word of God and the transformative power that that Word has in our life. Interesting side note, and I, I, I love numbers and I love the study of what they represent in Scripture, but the number eight, which is repeated eight verses for each one of these sections, is indicative of something very powerful. In Scripture, the number eight always represents that which is whole, or wholeness, or totality. It is seven plus one, which means a new beginning. And I think the best way the the, the psalmist, if, if, if he was thinking in these terms, could elevate the word of God in our minds and in our thinking, was to use that repetition of every eight verses and and helping us understand that you don't need anything other than this book. This book is sufficient for all of life. It is a total package. Amen. There's not an addendum to it. You can take it. It is a complete work of God for my life. And the psalmist is, he, he, he is uh, in writing this, the, the interesting thing about the, the 119th Psalm is that it is not a developed thought like so many other Psalms, that he has a particular thought in mind and he works through trouble and all the adversities and, and he comes to a, a powerful conclusion and develops that thought. But this is like a composite of accumulated wisdom that he has gathered from his life that has been influenced by the power of the Word of God. There's no author that we know of, speculation from anywhere from Moses to Daniel, uh, and and a, a lot of in between. There's and when I I thought about that this week, I thought you know perhaps the reason that there is no known author is so that it will be applicable to all people of all times. So that people of all ages and all dispensations can apply its truth to their life. And there is no certain date. We don't know the exact time in which these words were recorded. And again, it is not needful for me to know the date it was composed It is sufficient to know that it was composed for my help and for my encouragement. And it is of great value to my soul. And when you consider that, this is the amazing thing I, I thought about this week. When you consider that the writer of this psalm did not even have a complete Old Testament... All he had was a partial gathering of what we know as the Old Testament books. But with that partial bit of word, 
He gathered and gleaned enough information that even we who have the completeness of the word, when we we have the whole Bible, we have the Old and the New Testament at our disposal. And when I was thinking about that this week, I thought, God, if this man could do what he did and highlight the importance of your word with just a partial revelation of your word, what should you and I be doing tonight that has the whole Bible at our disposal and we can read it from cover to cover. Genesis to Revelation. There is no error in it. There is no confusion in it. There is a line of truth that runs from beginning to end. Amen. Praise God. Here's a man who rejoiced in what he had. Isn't it good that we can rejoice in what we have? And he found it to be a wealth of knowledge and wisdom. He found strength in it. In a limited portion of scripture, he found courage and peace and wisdom and strength to navigate life successfully. Ain't you, I I shouldn't use that word, but ain't you good you've got the whole book. Aren't you, ain't you glad you've got the whole book. Amen. I believe we're going to stand in judgment someday before people just like this psalmist that only had a partial glimpse. But that partial glimpse was enough to excite their soul to understand the power of that word in their life and what it was capable. What are we going to do that stand before God one of these days and we've had the entire book at our disposal all of our life and yet sometimes we don't know the simplest things that are found. We get tripped up by the enemy over the simplest things. I think we ought to get in the book myself. Amen. I think we ought to dig a little deeper in the book myself. I think I need to dig a little deeper in the book myself. I need to become more acquainted with it. I need to become so familiar with it that if somebody were to speak something not true, my antenna would come up and say, oh, no, that's not what that says. Amen. Praise God. Here's the record of personal experience. Everybody say personal experience personal experience that has been tempered in the crucible of life and the influence of the law of God's word on his life was the difference between life and death for this man. It was the effect and the influence of that word that made all the difference in his life. And every verse, every verse contains a mention of God. And in almost every chapter, every verse of this chapter, there is a reference to the Word of God in some form. For every situation, for every circumstance, for every problem, for every trouble, for every trial, not only by what it speaks, but by what it ministers to my spirit. And it is one simple truth. The word works. Amen. The word works. The word works. The word works. The word works. works. Forget about Facebook. Forget about reading your horoscope. Forget about reading what dear Abby has to say. If there is a dear Abby left. 
Forget about the consultant of some counselor of man. All you really need to do is just go dig into the book. And you'll find in the book the answer to every question, every dilemma, every problem that we face in life. And that word works. Amen. It works. Here is what it reveals. That whether you're young or old, whether it's night or day, whether it's trial or adversity, whether in public or in private, whether in prosperity or in poverty, the Word of God works. The Word of God works. The Word of God makes a difference in the life of the person who embraces it and allows it to be effective. Amen. When you read this psalm, you will find that the Word of God has many valuable ministries, such as keeping us clean, giving us joy, guiding us, helping us to establish proper values, helping us to pray effectively, giving us peace, granting us freedom. And whatever the variety of life's experience, the word was sufficient for helping him to live through it all. Whether it was a trial or a trouble or a suffering of life, The word of God sustained him. Everybody say it will sustain you. It will sustain you. It encouraged him. It strengthened him. It lifted him. It led him. It provoked him. It engendered hope to him. It gave him wisdom to understand. And it gave him grace to live and bear what life throws at you. That's the word that you have in your hand right now. The word was food to the soul. It was wealth to the heart. It was light to the eyes. It was freedom to the walk. The word works because it gives me victory over sin. It gives me victory over self. It gives me victory over people. I could give you the verses that go with all of that, but if you'll read it, you'll discover it. Just read it enough and you'll understand that the Word of God works. It gives me victory over sin. It gives me victory over myself. It gives me victory over others. It gives me victory over circumstances. It gives me victory over life. Thank God for the Word that never dies. Amen. Many people view the law as a yoke that they want to throw off of them. But this psalmist viewed it as a gift preceded and followed by grace. Whatever liberates your spirit without giving self-control is disastrous. Amen. Let me say that again. Whatever liberates your spirit without giving self-control is disastrous. This word not only liberates me, 
but it gives me self-control. It helps me to know how to bite my tongue. It helps me to know when to speak and when to hold my peace. It helps me to know what battles to fight and what battles to let the Lord fight. It helps me to understand what I need to do and what God has said he will do. And I don't ever want to get the two of those confused. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you know what you need to do? You need to let God be God. Amen. You need to let God be God. Amen. Sometimes we think we we learn a little bit and we become the authority. And so we start directing everybody else on what they should be doing. And we're not even doing it ourselves. But the word of God is not a yoke. It's a gift. Amen. This is not a burden to carry. This is a gift that keeps on giving. Every time you go to it and open it up, you can read the same verse and five different times you'll come away with five different impressions because it's a living word. It's quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. So it doesn't matter if you come to it in the morning or you come to it in the evening or you come to it at noon or you come to it in the time of trial or trouble or sickness or distress. When you come to this word, it's alive so that when you read it, It speaks to you right now, right here, right where I'm at, right in what I'm going through. The Word of God speaks to me now. Amen. Praise God. Tell me where you can find a book that powerful. Barnes and Nobles, it's full of books. I don't even have any idea how many books are in the Barnes and Noble. But none of them compare to this book right here. I'm not saying don't read other books. I think you should read other books. But ultimately, they should all lead you back to this book. Because this works, folks. When you obey it, well, not just read it, but when you incorporate its principles into your life, it's life-changing. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to show you a few benefits. Verse 63. Let's just take a real quick journey. I'm not going to be long. I see the clock up there. It's ticking. Verse 63 of the, of the Psalm says, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. Verse 74. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me. Because I have hoped in thy word. Verse number 79. Let those that fear thee turn unto me and those that have known thy testimonies. I am thankful that the word brings the very best of friendships into my life. Amen. So many people are interested in being friended nowadays. You get, you get requests all the time. I don't get them because I'm, I'm a dinosaur and nobody wants to be my friend. <laughs> but people, I hear of these, well, they, they, they sent a request to be friends. 
You know what? I'm thankful that I've got a book I can go to that defines the kind of friendships I need. Amen. It helps me understand who I need to hang out with and who I need to stay away from. You said, well, you I don't, I, we're supposed to love everybody. That's right. We are supposed to love everybody, but you don't hang out with everybody. Amen. But this word helps me to know what true friends are. Amen. The word of God not only helps me have the best friends in my life, it helps me fulfill God's purpose in my life. Look at verse number 73. He said, thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Therefore, give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. God, you made me. You fashioned me. You ordered me. Now give me understanding so I can fulfill what you created in me. Amen. He helps me. He revives me. Everybody say, he revives me. His word revives me. I love this part about the word of God. It revives me. One translation said, it gets us back on our feet. Let's go through the word. Verse number 25. In the message translation, it said uh, something to the effect, life has knocked me down. But you have put me back on my feet. Your word has put me back on my feet. Verse number 37. He said, turn away thine eyes from beholding vanity and quicken thou me. Make me alive. Put my feet back under me in thy word. Verse number 40. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Put me on my feet in regards to that. Verse number 88. Again, he said, quicken me after thy loving kindness. So shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. And it goes on and on. 107, 149, 154, 156, 159. All of them refer to the quickening power of the word. It's amazing to me that when I am at my lowest, I can open this book and begin to read and before long I feel something reaching down inside of me and pulling my spirit up and said hey you've got your eyes on the wrong thing you're focusing on the wrong issues you need to get your eyes back on what matters and this word is all that really matters amen praise God I love this one you ready for a real good one how many of you would like to be wiser you know who I, I want to be wiser, but what I really want to be is wiser than my enemies. Psalms 119.98, go with me. 119.98, he said, though through thy commandment, thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers for thy testimony. Thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. I have regained my feet from every evil way that I might 
Keep thy word. Amen. You know who I want to be smarter than? My enemies, the devil. Amen. I don't want to be caught off guard. I I don't want to be uh, uh, tricked, deceived into something that I embrace. I, I need there to be enough word in me that if something false comes up, there's something that comes on in my spirit that says, oh, that doesn't sound right. That that doesn't register correctly. Because in the last days, the evil one, the Antichrist, is going to deceive many. And he's going to do it through a semblance of truth. He's going to take the truth and massage it and twist it just a little bit. And if you and I are not careful, we can be brought, bought, we, we can buy into the lie that is being propagated in that world culture. But the word... When you fall in love with this book and you devour this book and you read this book, when those things happen, something's going to stand up and oh, 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 hold on a second. That, that doesn't, that doesn't jive with what this book really says. Amen. Let's go on. Verse 49 tells me that it holds me up. I love this verse. I wanted to preach on this Sunday. But the Lord had other plans. He said, remember thy word unto thy servant, because it is upon which thou hast caused me to hope. How many times have the only thing that's kept me up been a word? Am I the only one? Your friends didn't do it. Your spouse couldn't do it. All of the encouragement of those around you couldn't do it. But there was one word that kept coming right back to your mind. There was one thought that God kept reminding you of out of his word. There's one thing that God wanted you to make sure you fully understood. And it was that word alone that helped you and held you up in bad times. Listen to what he goes on to say. I love this. He said, this is my comfort in my, what is my comfort in my affliction? That word that you caused me to hope on. Amen. That word that was spoken by a preacher or in a song, but it reminded you of my faithfulness to you. And it was that word that you got a hold of and you latched on to and said, that's my word. And it was that word that kept coming back and it held you up. And in your time of affliction, it is a comfort to remind you. It's not always going to be like this. Amen. It's not always going to be dark. It's not always going to be painful. It's not always going to be as this is. I'm thankful for a word that doesn't die. For thy word hath quickened me. The proud have had me greatly in derision. Yet have I not declined from thy law. I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Amen. Thank God for the word that comforts. Amen. His word puts me together again. 106. Oh, I love this one. Let me, let's, let's go to verse number 9. The word, the power. I'm talking about the influence of the word of God on my life. Verse number 9. 
He said, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How does a young man get it right? How does he escape the trap? And I want you to notice in particular the little three-letter word way. Because in the Hebrew, it is indicating, it is a word that is indicative of a track or a rut that has been caused by a cart going over the same path over and over and over and over and over until it rubs grooves in the ground. And now it doesn't have to find the path. It just falls in the rut and follows it. Now, how do we break out of a rut? You ever been in a rut before? You know what the difference between a grave and a rut is? A rut has both ends kicked out of it. That's about it. Yeah. But he said, the only way I can escape the ruts that, the, and my own flesh produces some of them. But I, the, the, the one thing I can rely on that will help get me out of a rut is to get into the word of God and to absorb that word and preach, speak that word and read that word and love that word. Amen. 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 I'm hurrying. I'm hurrying. It'll, it's the only thing I know of that can save you from destroying mind, body, and soul. Amen. How can a young man stay on the right path, he said. How can you stay on the right path? By living according to your word. How can a young person live a clean life? How can you do it? By carefully reading the map of God's word. Living in the spirit of its influence is the best thing that I can do for myself. And you can do for yourself. Living in the spirit of its influence is the best thing I can do on a daily basis. Nothing is more blessed. Nothing is more freeing. Nothing is more liberating. Nothing is more enjoyable. Nothing is more peaceful than getting in the word and letting that word work its way out of your life. Amen. Amen. I love verse 26. And I'm going to close with this one. Verse 26. He said, I have declared my ways and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Verse 27. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. What a powerful statement. You see, too often in life, We ask, how can I get out of this trouble? How can I get out of this trouble? How can I get out of this problem when we really should be asking, what can I get out of this trouble? What can I learn? Isn't that what life is anyway, a learning experience? And the reason sometimes I have to repeat The same troubles and go through the same problems is because I didn't learn anything the first time. And so God lets it come back again the second time and even the third time and yea, even the fourth time or the 50th time, depending on how hard headed I am. But somewhere down the line, I need to learn something. 
so that I don't have to keep repeating those dumb things. I know that's not a good word for me to use here, but there's no kids around right now, so I can use it. But that's what we do. We do dumb things because we don't allow that word to saturate our being to such a place that it teaches us that we should learn something in our troubles. Don't waste your sorrows. Don't go through all this mess and and then get through it and, and, and not be any wiser. One of the things my dad, I, I didn't like it when my dad had to get on to us. My brothers mentioned this before, but my dad could have swatted a fly and knocked him into orbit, but, uh, he, he didn't do that. He could have, he could have physically abused us. He never did that, but he did something more painful than spanking. After we'd made a really bad decision or done something really foolish or dumb, Dad would just look us in with that one eye of his. He would look at us and he would say, Now, son, what do you think you learned out of all of this? I'd rather he just beat me. I'd just go ahead and whip me. Because the truth was, I was as dumb right then as I was before I went into that trouble. And what he was trying to wake me up to is somewhere in life, you better start learning something. And so all of this stuff we go through, God said, hey, wake up, learn something. Learn something about my word. Learn something about me that will be so empowering that the next time that thing comes up, it has nothing in you. It doesn't have a room to to find a place to, to lodge. Stand with me. Amen. Praise God. Somebody say, teach me. Teach me. I want to learn something everywhere I go in life and in everything that I go through. I don't want to have to keep repeating the same things over and over. Let me learn from my sufferings and not waste them. To talk to the Lord about what's happening in my life and let answers come that will give me wisdom and strength. Not to escape them, but to live through them. Amen. So much of life we spend trying to escape. And God has let life come to me so that I could learn. Amen. And that's difficult sometimes. It's painful. Learning is not an, it's not an easy thing. We're going through it right now with our granddaughter and I'm, I, I'm, I'm being reminded of just how important repetition is going back over but i already know that i i I, we i did that yesterday but honey we need to do that again today because it's that repetition that's going to get it so etched in your mind that when that comes up it'll be an automatic answer you know what it wouldn't be great if we could all get to the place where this word was so dear to us it was so etched in our soul that whenever the enemy throws something at us or life throws something our way or we are hurt, that instead of reacting to life, we respond with what is, what is in us, the word. And then out of our mouth comes words of life. Amen. Praise God. You know what I found when I read the Psalms? There is a spiritual chain reaction that happens. When you get into this book 
and you begin to read it and absorb it and let it speak to you, there's a chain reaction. It starts kind of like this. It starts with wonder. You you look at it and you wonder. And the longer you wonder or ponder it or think about it, that that leads to an understanding that if this is going to be effective in my life, I need to obey it. And then when you obey it, that leads to understanding of why you should be doing this. And when you gain understanding, that leads to a deeper desire. Oh God, I want to know more. Teach me more. And the more you learn, the more you find out how much God loves you and you begin to learn how to love Him. And the more you love God, it leads you into freedom. Oh, 